Shalom, brothers and sisters. Uh, today is a... It's difficult for me to start this. I'll be honest with you. Today is a hard day for me. I, I ask that you would have mercy on me with trying to relay what's on my heart right now. You know, um, uh, today, if you're watching this in the future, um, today is... Uh, last night, it was the... Uh, the U.S. Capitol building was invaded uh, by people who are rioting um, and many people are, you know, the news and, and, and social media and everything is just going crazy about that and everyone has an opinion and everyone has the right to an opinion. And that's fine. I came across a video of a young man who was one of the people who went into the capitol building and he was filmed before this ever happened before you know earlier in that day and he had horns on his head um, he had all kinds of tattoos that were very um, satanic and you know, he he obviously believed, he talked to the camera about what he believes about Jesus and because he said he's a Christian. Um, and when I was listening to him and, and looking and just giving a moment of my time to see what he has to say, you know, and I imagine that a lot of people when they see him and listen to him, they would get angry. They would get um, angry at the evil that has been ruling in his heart. And, you know, when I looked at him, you know, there's that, there's that inclination that we want to do, right, to, to get angry. But my heart just broke and, my, and I'm, I'm here and I'm sorry that I'm a little emotional today, but... Um, my heart was breaking for this man because it reminded me, please forgive me, but it reminded me of the world so much because, well, this is what we see in the world to such a large extent right now is there are so many people who are convinced in their own heart and mind that they're on some righteous path but in reality, they are on a path of destruction. And and I say what I'm saying truly because my heart is so broken for the world today. Because and the reason is, is because I know, oh, please, I'm so sorry for the tears. I, I'm, I'm going to say once more, I'm sorry. And I'm not going to apologize anymore because this is going to be the rest of the video likely. Um, so let me just get that out of the way. <laughs> but. The reason I am this way is because I know what the answer is. I know what the cure is. Like I, I know and it's called what we call the gospel. And the problem is, though, is that, you know, when I say the word of the gospel, when I say the phrase, Jesus died for your sins, most of us and Almost all of the world immediately think, yes, I've heard that one before. Yes, I've heard that one before. Yes, I know what that means. And it could be from a Christian's heart who says, oh, I've heard that in church. I hear it every other Sunday. Amen. Or it could be from a man who doesn't believe hard who says, yeah, I've heard that before. Whatever. You know, I, I don't care about that. But see, there is a difference between hearing Jesus died for your sins and hearing that phrase and the difference between hearing it and and knowing what it means. You see, because we go, we get to this place where the good news becomes old news to us and we get stuck on and focused on other greater quote unquote things that are more interesting, more captivating. And it's 
things that aren't necessarily evil, but things that are more captivating than, oh, the boring talk of the gospel. So today, while everyone is busy talking about politics and everything else surrounding that, and I'm not, it's okay to talk about politics, but today I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk to you about what the gospel is. You know, there was this song I listened to today. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the um, the movie called The Prince of Egypt. It's a animation. I love it. It's 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 amazing. Um, and there's one of the songs that is in that's on the soundtrack of this movie. Um, it's called Deliver Us. And some of the lyrics are I'm just going to read it to you here. Elohim, God on high, can you hear your people cry? Help us now, this dark hour. Deliver us, hear our call, deliver us. Lord of all, remember us here in this burning sand. Obviously, this comes from the story of the Exodus, where the Israelites were in the sand and that burning sand, they were enslaved. Now think about this. This is a people who were following God, worshiping God, all that. And then they became enslaved by this Pharaoh, this this nation, which at the time was just about the most powerful nation around the Egypt, the Egyptians. And they were enslaved. They, they had to work for their slave masters. Their lives, when they wake up, was around slavery. When they went to bed, it was th- they were thinking about their slavery. They, and they were crying out like, like this. I believe this, the, these lyrics is, is probably pretty close to what was in the hearts of many of them. Do you hear your people cry, Elohim? Help us now this dark hour. Deliver us. See, this was a people who understood that there was something wrong with the picture they were in, that they were enslaved and it's not supposed to be that way. And they they were saying they were thinking it, it doesn't make any sense. Has God left us and forsaken us? And, and what's going on in this in this place we're living in? And the beautiful thing is, is that in Exodus chapter three, verse seven, the Lord answers this and, and he says, the Lord and it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the affliction of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors and I'm aware of their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. You see, brothers and sisters, this is the beginning of the gospel message. And you may think, well, we're, we're in the book of Exodus with, with the story of Moses right now. But see, this is all a picture of what would become what is so famously today known as the gospel. You see, the world, when we think about Israel, the, the people that were crying out, Lord, deliver us, they were people, I imagine, they were people in Israel who loved God and who truly were praying this. And there were others among them who were unsure about God and and they were they they didn't fully even understand the slavery they were in. And the reason I can say this is because we know in the later in the story that when they get taken out of the the, the world, um, uh, uh, Egypt by God, the, some of them are actually complaining and saying they want to go back to Egypt because it would they think it would be better for them to go back than to go into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. And it's like the world is today. They they don't understand their own slavery. They don't understand their Egypt because they don't understand the promised land. You see, if if Israel, when they were in Egypt, everyone had a clear picture and understanding of what the promised land was that they were missing out on. None of them would be complaining on the way there. Like if they saw the end, they wouldn't complain about the journey to it. And that's why today I am my heart is the way it is. Because I know what the end is. 
I know that the end I know what the end is because the, the Bible tells me what it is for. And I see the opportunity. I, I see that man who was who had the horns and who had all the tattoos and who was, you know, the, the satanic tattoos and who was this. Right. Who, who was where he was when I saw him. What I saw was that. This is a man who God made in his image. Now, you can say and think whatever you want about him. But God made him in his image. He was formed in his mother's womb. God has a purpose for that man. Like God has a dream for that man. And and I know that that man has, if he makes the decision to serve God's kingdom and to go through to leave Egypt to say, Deliver us, deliver me from this dark hour, from this place I am in, from these walls that are coming closer and closer and oppressing me. See, I see what his potential is because I can see what the gospel could do for a man as far gone as anyone. Like take the man who's the most far gone that you can think of, the most horrific acts have been done by his hand. Pick the worst you can find on this earth. And one drop of the blood of Christ is enough to forgive every sin if he would repent from it. You see, brothers and sisters, like many of us get so angry. And look, I, I, I understand getting angry at sin, but many of us, we really struggle with with the dividing the sin from the person and understanding that this is a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. You see that man who had the horns on his head going, uh, storming the capital and doing everything else. He is in bondage. He is in slavery in Egypt. He I don't know what happened in his life. I don't know how he got where he was. I don't know what his upbringing was how his mom and dad treated him like and to be frank it likely wasn't good and you know because i i understand i know where i have talked to enough people to know how these things happen and how people get where they're at and it's often because sin against them hurt against them has produced hurt in them and now that hurt in them and sin in them that has been done against them now just comes out against everyone else because that sin that hurt that trauma that stuff has to go somewhere and if god does not come supernaturally to heal it because this man submits himself to the lord's power then it's going to bleed out into other ways and we as other people point the finger I understand that people are responsible for their actions, right? I understand. But at the same time, my heart is breaking more than I am willing to point fingers because the potential is what I see in the gospel for a man like this. And so each and every one of us, we are in this place. We were all in Egypt. We were all in bondage. We were all whether we knew it or not at the time, enslaved in our sin. You know, slavery, the definition of slavery is when something or someone has control over you. And this is exactly what happens with us. You are addicted maybe to pornography. Maybe you were a drunkard. Maybe you maybe it was even drugs. Maybe it was weed or or maybe it was money maybe it was girls whatever it was whatever maybe it was trying to become an idol by your riches trying to put yourself up as something and someone to get the praises of man okay there are so many sins and when we were in bondage to these things god came to us he said i have indeed seen the affliction of my son, of my daughter, just like he said that over Egypt. I have heard their cries. And if you didn't even cry, you didn't even need to because he saw it. He saw what you went through. And so see, brothers and sisters, then something happened. 
2,000 years ago. You see, this story, you know, it's it's very common, but I want you to just take a moment and, and let's just take a, a, a deeper step to imagine what this was like. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's like, just imagine being one of these shepherds that this angel appeared to right and we see that there's this 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 proclamation made that today i tell you that a savior has been born the messiah is now among you this heavenly being comes and he comes and he tells you this and you know that what has happened now this message is the most important event that has ever happened and will ever happen upon this world like that God has come down for every adulterer, every drug addict, every sorcerer or those in witchcraft, every person who hates God himself. God has come for not to judge. You can see when Messiah came, he, he said, I did not come to judge the world. But to save. You see this? I'm not saying God's not a judge, but God's first step, his first action, his first hands action is not to judge, even though he has full authority to. He has full power to throw us all away and for and throw away the key forever. He could do that and he would be perfectly righteous and even doing so. But That's not what he decides to do first. He decides to send his son. And of course, we know what happened. But, you know, I want to take you before I go on with that part of it. I want to take you for a moment back to that story of the Exodus, because when we look at what happened when Moses and Aaron started talking to Pharaoh and and they came to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And when Moses and Aaron tells this to Pharaoh, Pharaoh doesn't respond in a really nice way. He doesn't throw up his hands in the air and say, oh, well, you got me. I'm going to let them go. No, he says, I am going to make their slave labor even more difficult on them. And so now we, we read in Exodus 5 verse 20. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. Okay, Israel, they're meeting them now after that meeting with Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, what have you done? Why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever even send me? You see, there was this great hesitancy at first. God came to to Israel and in in, in Egypt with this promise of freedom, but there was great hesitancy. There was this, I, I, God is, this is not working out. Look, Pharaoh is making things worse for us. And in the same way with Yeshua, there was hesitancy. When Jesus was even to the point, his disciples have been walking for, with him for a long time. And even when, by the time that he was being crucified, he was crucified, the disciples, they went around and they thought it's over with. They thought that this is the end of the road, that they're maybe they even thought that their Messiah, they were doubting their Messiah, you know, like, was he really who he said he was? Uh, I mean, he, he, it seems like this is not ending well because he just died on a cross. Right. And this hesitancy is very clear. We read in Luke chapter 24, verse 11, how it says, but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. You see, when when uh, Miriam and the other women, they dis- they saw that the tomb was empty. 
right? They, they came to bring this report to the disciples and they refused to believe the report about the resurrection. There was this great hesitancy about what God had done. And when when we go back to the Israel, the, the story with e- in Egypt, we see that then what, what did God do with Pharaoh? God started showing them signs and wonders and miracles. And then Israel started believing more the word of the Lord. It's exactly what Yeshua did. That's what God did in Jesus. He did the greatest miracle ever. Raised him from the dead as a sign to quench their hesitancy, if you will. You see, brothers and sisters, many of you may be hesitant today. You know, maybe you're a person who've never heard the gospel before. Maybe you're someone who have heard it before, but you're still hesitant about some of the things that God has said or promised in his word in general or to you even personally. Some of you need a sign. Some of you need proof. And today I want to I want to show you, I want to I want to tell you that God is not just a God. You see, all the other religions in the world, they are empty and that they can say a lot of things. but They can't show a lot of things. And what I mean is that our God has never been shy to show himself to anyone. He has never been shy to demonstrate his power to those who are seeking him with a true heart. And so I want to invite you today that, you know, you could have, you can be a believer for a long time listening to this. You could be a not a believer in God and and in Jesus as the Messiah or, you know, wherever you're at, it doesn't really matter. But I want to invite you if you are hesitant, if you're unsure, like like doubting Thomas, you know, saying, you know, I'll 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 believe when I put my hands in his wounds. <laughs> Yeshua came and he did not mock Thomas. He did not um, say, who do you think you are for thinking that way? Or, you know, he, even up to that point, he was still merciful and loving. And he showed him a sign. You just said, here I am. Do you believe me now? And so I want you to, if you have doubts about the Lord or about his word in any form or fashion, I want to invite you to ask the Lord to show himself and power to you because the Lord is not shy to do so. I've seen that in my life. I've seen it over and over. And that's part of, believe it or not, part of the gospel message that God did not just say things, but he showed things. Yeshua said, if you do not, Jesus said, if you do not believe me because of the things that I've said about myself and who I am, then believe me because of the things you see by the signs, by the witness of that. The power is showing you that the Holy Spirit was basically showing. And so um, when Israel saw the signs and they, they left Egypt, they went out into that wilderness. You know, for many of us, that's where we are. You know, maybe, maybe you started looking at God, you started listening to Yeshua and, and, and you started accepting his word for who he is. And then you started saying, I want to follow him. You know, many of you may be on that on that path. And, you know, then the question is, well, is that it? Is that the end of the story? No, it's only the beginning of the story, both of the uh, story of the Exodus and where it continues after the resurrection within our New Testament. You see, many, many people, Satan wants us to believe and think that that accepting Jesus is the end of it. And saying yes to him is the end of it. And that's it. That's the finish line. But it's not. It's only the start. You haven't even started the race. You haven't even taken one step yet until you've said yes to him. And many of us, we we're we're we we've now said yes. And now we're we're in this kind of not sure we're in the beginning of this thing. You know, maybe you're running, maybe you're jogging, whatever you're doing. Many of us then come to this conclusion. We start thinking, well, I think I've arrived. See, Israel would continue in 
even through the wilderness and in their pagan ways of thinking. They would, even though they were free from the slavery in Egypt, they were still thinking like slaves. Because you can take the chains off of someone and and God can take the chains off of you, can deliver you from whatever your bondage is, whatever you're struggling with. But just because the chains were taken off doesn't mean you're not thinking like a slave anymore. Because you can still think like a slave even if you're free. And and, and that's the what we see in the Bible. It talks about the renewal of the mind. Which it means you need to learn anew how to think. You need to change the way you think about things. And so, you know, what the most tragic thing was is that Israel believed that, like I mentioned, they arrived. They believed that leaving Egypt was the be- was the end of it. And now they're free. Like, and, and that's it. Like, they're done. And we believe many of us have believed that, too. Maybe you've accepted Jesus. You know, I've, I've spoken to so many people on the street and they're like, oh, I I accepted Jesus. I know about Jesus. I know about what all that means. But but truly, if you start talking to them, you realize that I, the, the phrase I accept Jesus, it doesn't actually mean the same to me than what it may mean to them. And and what I mean is that it could be I accept Jesus can just be like I go to church every Sunday. And and because I've arrived, I'm just waiting now for my boat of salvation. I'm, I'm basically done. And that's the point. Salvation is the end goal. And and that's what it's all about. But when we look at the gospel and and the message of the Messiah when he was on Earth, you know, he could have gone around. Guys, listen, this is crazy. He could have gone around and just told everyone hey, you need to accept me. And then they would say, oh, I accept you into my heart, Jesus. And then he would say you would have then said, OK, that's good. Well done. And then he just leaves. That could have been the end of it. Like, why would he even need to give a sermon on the mount? Why would he need to uh, give the Beatitudes and 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 all these other like, why would he need to do much if it's all about just accepting Jesus into your heart? And that's the end of the, the that's the end goal. And that's what it, this whole life and everything is about is just accept Jesus into your heart and you're done and over with. You know, by doing this, what we have fostered is the reason why that man that I talked about in the beginning with the horns in his head and the and everything, that guy, the reason why people like him exist is because of the hypocrisy that has come from people who said, I accept Jesus in my life, but I don't live anything like it, even though. You see, we, we are in this Christian culture where it's so all right to say, I accept Jesus into my heart, even though I have no love. And you can say, oh, yes, I have the knowledge, but that's also not what this is about. Jesus didn't just talk about knowledge like like knowledge was also not the end goal for many of us. That's the end goal. And it's the life of the Messiah is the end goal. He is the end goal. I want him to get. Give me all the knowledge in the world, every library book in the world, every conspiracy, every knowledge about everything. Give it all. But if I do not have him, I don't have anything and I don't care. I don't want anything if I lose him. Like if, if it's a if it's a choice, I want him. I can lose everything else. I can lose all the knowledge, but I need him. Do you understand what I'm getting? I like this is where we have to be. And if that's the case, what I'm talking about here wouldn't be boring you because processors, I know how this is. I'm talking about the simple gospel here. And some of you are going to get bored because it's it's like your brains have been trained to need new stuff to give you some dopamine rush. It's no different from doing drugs and being like, I need another hit of cocaine. And I don't want just normal food or normal drink to sustain me. I need something, something else to give me a kick. You know, that's how many of us have become in this thing where it's all about the next kick. It's all about the next thing. The simplicity of the gospel is no longer enough. 
and I'm not against growth and 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 getting knowledge about God and all this stuff. You not, guys know that, but but is or have you grown uh, uh, lukewarm? Has your ear grown tired? Of what the simple gospel is in favor of quote unquote deeper things. Because see, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, this is what we the main faced. There were people there. I'll just let me just read this here. Acts chapter 2, verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mockingly say they are filled with new wine. So the Holy Spirit is poured out, people speak in tongues, and there's a crowd in the back of the room of guys saying, these people must be drunk. You see, they, I want to submit to you, they believed, we've arrived, we have, we know, we know enough, like, we've, we've gone far enough, like, who are these people in this room who are speaking in this, these languages and tongues and, and this, it sounds weird to us. It's strange. It's foreign. They must be drunk. Because see, they were passing judgment. Because and because on something they had no knowledge of because they thought that they have acquired all that they need, all the knowledge there is to have all the revelation, all the relationship, because see, this was a move of the spirit and typically moves of the spirit aren't really understood by people unless they have true desire for more of God, more relationship, more intimacy with the Lord. Because if you don't desire more of the Lord, what purpose does the Spirit even have? Because the Holy Spirit is there to bring more of the Lord into our lives. But you can you can pursue more about the Lord without even pursuing the Lord, more knowledge about the Lord, knowing more about him, talking about him, blah, 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 all this stuff without actually him. And a good measure is how much time do you actually spend in your prayer closet? How much time do you actually spend praying? How much time do you actually spend speaking just you and him with nothing for you to gain about it? Nothing. This is not about you trying to get something out of God. This is not about you. You know, you need to talk to him now because there is a problem. You need to talk to him now. No. When do you how much time do you spend talking to the Lord when there is nothing to gain? How much time do you spend talking to the Lord when things are going well? Because that's a good barometer, a good measure of where relationship with the Lord really is. It's not about how much knowledge you have or how much Bible's in your head. I'm sorry, it's just not. I love that stuff, but it's time for us to get back to basics. And the basics start with how much relationship do you really have with the Lord? And look, you are listening to this. You have privacy. I want you to do introspection to your own heart. And you, if you're a man who you've never really considered relationship with the Lord. Brother, brother, sister, I want you to really consider it. This world is getting really dark. This time is it's getting so dim out there. And that's why you may be watching this video, because there is a there are some fires out there as it gets darker and darker outside. The fires out there, you'll see them more and more. The fires of God calling your name. You see, God has a calling and a purpose for every single one of you. If you're watching, if you're listening to this, he has a purpose and he formed you with purpose. Don't let it pass you by because one day you will stand before him. Your knees will bow and what you did with this life will matter more than you ever know. And so, brothers and sisters, these men in the book of Acts chapter two, who mocked about what the Holy Spirit was doing, they had so much pride that they had this mocking spirit within them. They try to mock those who weren't as mature as they are, if you will, because they were ignorant of the true growth that they still needed. And so they ultimately misrepresented Christ and everything that he stood for in that moment. 
And so I, I want to today, if, if you're someone who's watching this and you're not a believer, you, you're you not sure about God, all that. I want to apologize to you for anyone who's said that they know anything about God. But he didn't act like anything that God acted like when he came in the flesh. You see, when Jesus came in the flesh, he acted a certain way. And that's the that's really what, what you want to be looking at when you want to understand who God is. Because people, they're going to let you down. So, brothers and sisters. When we look at talking about this thing called salvation, salvation is not the finish line. It's not the goal. It's the most beautiful thing that there is regarding the gospel, because look. It's this thing you need to understand. It's not the goal, but it's beautiful. And that what I mean by that all is, is please stay with me here, is that you can you need to understand that him dying for you is the most beautiful and important thing that would ever happen to your life. Him looking at your life and seeing all the junk, him seeing everything you've done, everything you've thought of doing. All of this stuff. And he saw it. And even though he is so holy and perfect and pure that that nothing of none of that can come near him. He decided to come in the flesh, take on human form and to do something that no one expected. Even Satan himself didn't expect it. And he would take every sin that you ever would commit or think of doing or have done. And that was placed on his shoulders. That was put on him. Think about the weight of every sin in the world. Put on your shoulders. Okay, that's that's what it was like. We can't imagine that, but that's what happened. And he was perfect. He who knew no sin became sin. For us, and so he died, he was crucified by men. Who were full of sin themselves, but hanging on that cross, he said something that's almost incomprehensible. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, you know, there's a part that of us that can be like, well, 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 hold on a minute, because they knew what they were doing, didn't they? I mean, the, the Pharisees who put him on that cross, many of them saw the fruit. They saw the miracles. They saw the signs. They saw it all like they didn't have excuse. They they knew in some way what they were doing because they knew that this this man, which was being crucified, is the most innocent man to ever walk the earth. So how could Yeshua say, forgive, forgive them, they don't know what they do. You see, I believe that they actually underestimated how holy God really was. If they truly under truly understood how holy God was, they wouldn't have thought that they could get away with what they were trying to do. If they truly understood, they would have been more careful. And so Yeshua, he, he had every right to condemn them. He was without sin. They falsely accused him. But he said, forgive them. And that's what he says to you. About you to the father, he says, father, forgive him, forgive her. They don't know what they're doing. So, you know, where you've been, what you've done in the past, you know, you can think on it. Wherever it is, God has mercy. But this is your chance. He is inviting you. He's saying, look, listen, I have. I'm coming to you with open arms, open hands. I want you back. You see, God is pursuing his people. He wants you in his flock and his fold. He doesn't want you dwelling with the pigs. He doesn't want you dwelling in sin. He doesn't want you to be a slave anymore. And even like Israel were Israel, even though they went came halfway out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness. 
they still kicked and said, we want to go back to Egypt. And God could have been like, well, then go back. Just let, let go back. I'll leave you right here. Bye. He didn't even do that. He said, well, come on, just trust me some more. You know, it's kind of like, come on, trust me some more. Let me show you a miracle because this they were saying this. Have they told Moses, Moses, did you bring us out here just to give us graves here? Is this our grave site? And then God had mercy once again, and he split the Red Sea right there for them. You see, God's mercy was so, so great. And with Yeshua, it's so, so great. You have real sins. You have real issues. And nothing is going to stop it. Nothing is going to solve it. You're not going to solve it on your own. There's no way it's impossible. But the power of God can do it. One drop of the blood of Christ is enough, has enough power to overcome the all the plans of the enemy and every sin, the deepest, darkest sin. One blood, one drop of his blood is enough for that. Will you believe that with me today? Because I need you to not just listen and believe what I'm saying here. I need you to take this thing to the nations because the reason I was tearing up a little bit in the beginning of this video is because I have this inside of me and I know what it can do for the world. And I see the need now more than ever. And I refuse, I refuse, I refuse to keep quiet about this thing in the midst of people who need it most. And so my hope is that you would listen and you would get the same fire in your heart because that's what Christ sent us for. That one of the main reasons that he hasn't come back yet is he says in his word that he wants this to go to the ends of the earth. He wants everyone to hear and understand who he is and what he's done. And the privilege and responsibility to deliver that message has been given to me. And it's been given to you if you're listening to this. The only question is, is will you be one who takes that message forth to the world? Or will you get stuck on worldly things along the way and distracted by myths and genealogies and uh, other things of this world, other things that aren't as profitable. There's many things that are profitable in the world, but how many things are as profitable as what I'm speaking about right now? Because brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was a young boy, I came to this realization that nothing is going to matter. Like nothing is going to matter. Like my life, what I do, my career, my, you know, whatever, no, like nothing is going to matter except what I do for the kingdom of God. And that's why you see me on here talking about him. You see that the other day or, or a few months ago, actually, uh, a man, I, I just talked about how how I love God and how I, I, I just I just can't keep quiet about him. And and this man, he's a believer and he said, yeah, well, Petey, you, you know, you you have time because you're you're in full time ministry. You, this is your job, basically. Right. Like like he was basically saying, this is your job. This is your career now. Like this is this is why you are passionate. This is why you are so um, hungry to do that, because while well, it's your career, that, that's kind of how it works. Right. But I told him. Listen, uh, before I went into full time ministry, I was the same. <laughs> like I was the same. Like I, I, when I was working as a, and uh, and you know I was a contractor for big tech companies right before my before I'm doing before what I'm doing right now, I was doing the same. I was the same. I was just as hungry to see the gospel go forth on weekends. I would go out and just tell people about him. Like, that's just what I did in my free time. I didn't get paid for that. And, and, and like this, this is what I do now. But 
I want you to understand. I don't want you to think like this is PD. This is what PD's job is. Like this is his career. Like come on, no. Like like if I was if God was going to tell me today to go and 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 work for whoever employee employer, I'm going to go and do it and I'm not going to change. I'm going to still be talking to you guys and I'm going to be talking to my hairdresser. I'm going to be talking to my uh, grocery store uh, lady who's helping me check out. I'm going to be talking to whoever I bump into about God, because that's the most important thing. And it's the only thing that's going to matter at the end of the day. Do you understand this? This is the gospel. This is all that matters. So I want you to please think on what matters most to you, because to me, man, this is what it is. I am not acting right here like this is it. And and this must be it for you. This must become your life. This must become what you live and breathe is to get this truth to those people who do not understand it and who do not know who they are. Because Yeshua says, forget, said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I want to add, because they didn't know who they were. They didn't understand they were sons. They didn't understand their true identity in the Lord. They didn't understand the Lord. But if these people who are so lost understood that they're not slaves, you see, because Israel, they were out of Egypt, but they believed their identity. They were still slaves. But God was trying to teach them, you're not my slaves. I want to take you to becoming my sons, my daughters. And that's who you are. And that's who these people are, but they don't know it. So they act like slaves and they remain as slaves because no one has come to tell them this is not who you are. This is not where you're at. This is not you need to understand that there is something. There is a new identity that God has for you, and he has done something to prove it. You have value and he has shown that by dying for you. If 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 God, if we were not valuable to him, why would he die for us? If we had no real purpose and if we were kind of just like garbage and trash, then why would he die for us? And at the same time, if we did not have great sin, why would he die for it? You see, we had both great sin and great problems, but at the same time, great value. And so he died for our value because he loves us and he cares for us. And he also died because of our sin, because he wants us clean so we can become everything that he made us to be. So will you become everything he made you to be? Will you stop listening to the lies of the enemy and decide today whom you will serve? whom you will be a slave or free. As for me in my house, we decide today to be free. We decide to make our mission, the gospel and proclaiming it to the ends of the earth. That's the beginning, beginning of it. That's the end of it. And everything in between. It's just whatever. It's interesting, but it's whatever. The gospel is what must remain most important. Brothers and sisters, I will leave you with that. I hope that this blesses you and I hope that you decide today to not to believe, to accept him and with accepting him to not just be a minimum requirements Christian who's just all about salvation, but that you will give your life for this thing the same way that Messiah demanded it from everyone who he called to be his disciple. If you want to accept the Lord into your heart or if you want to rededicate your life to him today. And I'm talking when I say accept the Lord into your heart, I'm talking real. I'm not talking about a cute little thing here. I'm talking about giving your life to God, to devoting it all, everything you own, everything you are, everything you will be in life in the future, like a marriage covenant in, in, in essence saying, I am giving my life if you want that or if you had that, but you walked away from it, you want to rededicate that to you, your, to the Lord. I want you to pray from your heart and I'll lead you in that. Hey, Lord, I just come to you right now. 
Lord, I thank you for everyone who is listening. I thank you for your spirit that has spoken and guided. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would put such a fire in the hearts of everyone listening, a fire they can't even describe, a fire that will take them to everywhere they need to go and they will go in boldness to preach your gospel. Lord, we repent of our sins. We repent of everything that we have done in contradiction to what you stand for. Lord, I we ask for healing in our hearts. We ask for deliverance from slavery, from the things the enemy has been keeping us in bondage to. We thank you for delivering us from every demon, every unclean spirit that's lied to us, that's tried to keep us in bondage and influenced us in whichever way. We repent from any any covenants or the things we have engaged with, with the kingdom of darkness, with or without our knowings. God, we ask for your spirit to come on us. Fill us with your fire. Fill us with your power of your Holy Spirit. Like in the book of Acts, we will not be like those men who believed that they arrived, that they got it all. But we want to be so humble that we are open to your spirit's movings. Father, thank you. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We accept you as our Messiah all over again. Or as our first. And Lord, we ask for you to be king of our life. They would come and change every aspect of it. And help us to be brand new. Name Yeshua. Amen, brothers and sisters. If you haven't been baptized yet, please seek that out. We have many videos on baptism and I encourage you to watch them. Blessings and Shalom.